Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Thursday, November 5th. S&P futures are rallying about 62 points. That is about 1.8%. NASDAQ futures are outperforming again. They're up about 320 points. That is about 2.7%. So NASDAQ outperforming the S&P by about 100 basis points this morning. The major European indices are trading up about 70 to 100 basis points. There is large outperformance in tech in Europe, but just keep in mind, tech is not nearly a as large a weighting of the European markets as they are in the US. Europe is very much weighted towards cyclical value, which you've obviously seen a um, rotation away from in the last 48 hours. And Asia finished higher across the board. So as far as the macro landscape is concerned today, you really have not seen any shift. Um, you know, Concerning the election, it looks, again, very, very likely that Biden will become the next president. Um, it's just a question of calling a couple of states. I've put in a proposed map um, just as far as where I think things will shake out. Um, and this is kind of, uh, you know, again, that's a bare minimum that gets Biden to 270, which is the minimum threshold needed to become president. So we're just waiting on Arizona and Nevada to be called. Pennsylvania is rushing as well to count. Pennsylvania had said they may not be finished until Friday, um, but they are moving rapidly ahead. So you could see news on those three states um, as soon as this morning. You're also still waiting on Georgia, which has narrowed a lot. Arizona and Nevada have narrowed a lot too. So Biden's lead in those states is still very small. So, um, you know, there are clearly nothing is inevitable. There are, um, you know, Trump still does have a path depending on how some of these states fall out. But again, I think Biden is very, very likely to become president. Um, you know, and again, I think that it's Arizona and Nevada that will push him over the top. A few network, a few networks have already called Arizona for Biden which leaves just Nevada, um, and that will get him just to 270, which um, if that is the case, that single vote that Biden won in Nebraska um, will be the deciding factor in this race, which um, certainly is interesting to contemplate. Um, No, so I think with the election out of the way, you still have, again, the Senate retaining their control of, uh, I'm sorry, the Republicans retaining their control of the Senate, and then the House, Democrats still in power in the House, actually shedding a few seats um, you know, so I think investors largely have in their mind, um, you know, a sense of what the makeup in Washington will look like. And it's just a question of now, um, you know, uh, determining the policy actions, especially fiscal stimulus. So I thought it was very interesting that you saw McConnell come out about midday yesterday, um, already pivoting as far as his views on fiscal stimulus. He had been saying that he wanted to wait until the next Congress in 2021 to tackle fiscal stimulus. He says yesterday that they should actually do it this year. Um, And then he also said that the bill should probably include some state and local government assistance. Again, that's something that he had been opposed to prior to the election. So, you know, I think fiscal stimulus in the U.S. um, is certainly uh, something that investors are going to be shifting to very quickly. You know, again, a blue wave scenario could have produced figures as high as $3 trillion for COVID fiscal stimulus. um, And that was essentially just the original Pelosi bill. Um, even in the current divided makeup where you have GOP, a, a smaller GOP majority in the Senate, a smaller House, uh, de- a smaller Democratic majority in the House, and then Biden as president, you're still probably going to get a, something in the order of a, mil- a trillion and a half dollars, um, especially since you continue to have a metastasizing COVID crisis in the U.S. with thir- surging cases underway. Um, and, you know, and again, whether or not that comes this year, um, or it has to wait until January to get done. Um, you know, I think I, I think you still are looking at a very sizable amount of incremental fiscal stimulus. Um, remember, there is a key budget deadline in Washington uh, on December 11th that could be a catalyst to help move along certain um, fiscal stimulus bills. 
So that is the um, political construct in Washington. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest macro topics not receiving enough attention is this kind of fresh round of monetary easing that we've been in, um, you know, for the last few days. So you had the RBA come out Monday night and adopt quantitative easing. The intensity of its quantitative easing program, as far as purchases as a percent of GDP, are nearly as high as they are in the U.S. So it's a very powerful quantitative easing program, albeit. Um, on an absolute basis, much smaller than in uh, the, some of the other larger economies. Um, the BOE came out today and increased its quantitative easing program as expected. Um, the increase was a bit more than anticipated, 150 billion pounds. Um, and then keep in mind, you have the ECB coming up on December 10th. They've all but guaranteed they're going to take further easing actions. Um, the street consensus right now is looking for about a half trillion euro increase to its bond buying program. So you have this kind of, um, you know, another wave of, of monetary easing that's really, I think, not received enough attention given everything else that's occurring in the macro landscape. That's obviously very powerful as well. The Fed today shouldn't be very controversial. I think, you know, for a variety of reasons, the most important of which is they probably do not want to do anything um, given that the country's still in the midst of figuring out this election. Um, there's also not necessarily a very pressing economic need for them to do something aggressive. They're already providing huge accommodation the big issue for the Fed is simply just providing clarity around its asset purchase program. It's not necessarily an issue of them increasing it or doing more. It's just more, um, again, providing a framework as to how long the purchases will continue for, whether or not that $120 billion per month pace can change, increase or decrease. And then I think most important, whether or not they would shift their duration focus and start buying um, further along, um, further out on the curve. That's been you know, a, a huge topic of discussion. And it's probably something the Fed will do eventually, um, just probably not today. I think today they'll probably, I think Powell will try to be as innocuous as possible, um, just given that they do not want to interject themselves into um, you know, the, the, uh, the vote counting process in Washington. Um, you know, so those are the big macro themes. Now, as you get past the election, it's um, you know it's fiscal stimulus, monetary policy, and then the third one, COVID. So you continue to have a huge surge in cases. Um, you know, the U.S. is setting uh, set a fresh record of getting above that hundred thousand case figure per day threshold. Um, the European figures are are still uh, moving as up as well. You continue to have more mitigation actions getting taken in Europe. Um, so COVID is still very much a focus. I think it has not received as much attention lately just because you've obviously had the election dominating the market's focus. And then you also still have a lot of vaccine anticipation. So, you know, Pfizer should still be any day as far as providing preliminary um, phase three numbers from its COVID vaccine trial. That's obviously a critical catalyst. If those if that data is very positive, I think you'll continue to see the market absorb a lot of the negative COVID developments right now well. If the data is mixed or underwhelming, um, then I think the market's going to start to react a lot more negatively to what's happening on the COVID front, um, because certainly it's probably going to provide a damper, at least Q4 economic activity um, and corporate earnings. So I think those are, um, you know, with the election kind of out of the way, it's fiscal stimulus, monetary policy, and COVID that are really dominating the macro backdrop. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the landscape for this morning. You know, this reaction that you've had now to the election of, you know, the absence of a blue wave has caused investors to dial back fiscal stimulus. So you saw you've seen treasuries rally and you've seen obviously investors surge back into tech. I think that's a very reductive view of what's really changed on the ground because of the election. So, you know, you've had now this this stealth rotation away from tech that really started in the in early September and it's totally not been a linear process. You've had tech rallies that have occurred periodically since then. Um, but I think this is another one of those kind of periodic bounces. So 
Um, you know, I, I'm very skeptical that this tech, this most recent bout of tech outperformance will persist. I still think that the cyclical value thesis has a lot of validity right now. Um, again, like I said before, I, I still think you're going to get more fiscal stimulus. I think, um, you know, the vaccine data, it's not just Pfizer, you have Moderna, you have AstraZeneca, you have Johnson Johnson, all should be hitting between now and the end of the year. Those that data is arguably more important for cyclical stocks than um, you know fiscal stimulus will be. If you do get very powerful vaccine data, um, that will obviously be an enormous bolt for cyclical. So for all those reasons, I don't you know I, I don't necessarily embrace this um, concept that you're going to see now a, a huge re rotation back into tech that lasts for weeks and weeks. I think this is I think this will prove to be ephemeral. On the calendar for today. Um, you know, obviously, we're still going to be watching Washington. Um, you know, you could have an update at Nevada this morning. Arizona is still another big one, and then Pennsylvania, the other. Um, Georgia has been tightening a lot too. I think most people are kind of assuming that goes eventually for Trump, but you know, Georgia would be another one that gets Biden over two seventy. So, you know, he has a lot of paths to get over two seventy. Um, it's just a question of which one gets him there. Uh, so that's obviously going to be a big focus. You got the Fed this afternoon. Like I said, I don't think you'll see anything super controversial from them. Um, and then it's another busy day of earnings. Um, you have Alibaba this morning. That's obviously going to be in focus just given what's happened with the Ant Group IPO. GM is also this morning. And then after the close, you have um, names such as Peloton, Roku, Square, Uber, and others. Uh, so that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.